Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. So the order of true identity, or shall I say becoming a new person, is that you must first belong to Christ. But in order to belong to Christ, you must first accept him and believe him as your Lord and as your Savior. Amen. You must be saved. You must receive salvation. You must be reborn. Why? Because identity is given at birth. It, it all starts here. It, it all starts here. The foundation of this Christian walk in Christ, the foundation of the swap is identity. And our identity is attached to Jesus Christ. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. We don't want to lead an online community out. We are blessed to have you here today to join in with us on the Kingdom Rock Network. I believe that you're not here by accident, and I don't believe that you're here by coincidence, but I believe that the Lord has led you here today because he have a rich and relevant word just for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're not going to prolong any time. We have a lot to get into this morning. Are y'all ready for the word this morning? Hallelujah. So I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. I'm going to start off with a statement this morning that maybe you've heard me say before. Maybe you haven't, but you're going to hear it today. Um, I, I like to say often, I always say that there is no such thing as a mediocre believer. Amen. There's no such thing as a mediocre believer. Uh, mediocre meaning normal, meaning common, meaning average, meaning ordinary. So as a believer, there's nothing mediocre about you. There's nothing normal about you. All right, the people will call us a peculiar people. We are a peculiar people. All right, there's nothing normal about us. So as a believer, there is nothing normal about you, which means that as we, as we live this Christian life, there should be more to this Christian life than just going to church on Sundays and, and going to church on Wednesdays and listening to praise and worship music in our cars um, and, and doing our you know, morning devotion, praying this, that, and the other. There should be more to this Christian life than just these things. Now, I'm not here to excuse these things because I believe that these things are needed for the believer. Amen. But the, the fact that the matter is, I want to say this today, that purpose resides in every one of us. Everybody inside this building, there's purpose and purpose resides in every single one of us. Amen. So, again, there's nothing normal about this, this, this Christian walk that, that, that we're living. There's nothing normal about it. All right. We are supernatural. We are a peculiar people and there is purpose in each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Yet so many people struggle with that question. So many people struggle with this question. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Even as believers, so many believers struggle with this question. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Amen. Which brings me to the title of today's message. Look at your neighbor and say unveiling purpose. Unveiling purpose. Hallelujah. Unveiling purpose. Amen. That's going to be today's title of the message, Unveiling Purpose. And I believe that this is going to be a message that is truly going to bless you. Um, as I have studied and, and been inside the presence of the Lord, he has truly blessed me. And I know that he's going to bless you as well. Amen. Now, of course, today we're going, we're going to be talking about purpose. Uh, we're going to be talking about purpose. We're going to be talking about the topic of purpose. But before we even get to purpose, there is something more important that we have to talk about. Um, and that is identity. Amen? Identity. You'll never know what you can do, or you'll never know what something can do unless you first know what it is. Now, 
personally, I, I love, you know, uh, I love sci-fi movies and, and different things like that. And um, I love how, like, you know, time travel movies and stuff like that, the, somebody from the future or from the current time, they'll go inside the past, and they'll bring something normal like a flash, like something that's coming to us, but they'll bring it to the past, and these people have no idea what it is. Because if you don't understand what it is, you'll never know what it, what it can do. But if these people really know what these items were, these artifacts were that were being brought from the future, it would change their lives. Amen. So you'll never know what something is, whether you never know what something can do unless you first know what it is. So we first must talk about identity today. So understand that purpose is actually the fruit of identity. All right, purpose is purpose is actually the fruit of identity. Purpose is a byproduct of your identity. Meaning if you don't know what you are, you'll never know what you can do. And this is here where this here is where the problem lies for many individuals. This here is where the problem lies for many believers. And this is something that the enemy understands all too well, all, all too well. And it is here that we're going to dive in today. Identity. Look at your neighbor and say identity. identity. Amen. The enemy is on full attack trying to distort your identity. He's on full, full attack trying to make you believe that you're not what God has called you. Amen. But we're going to talk about that today. Amen. Now, when I talk about identity, uh, this identity that we have in Christ, this is more than just a mere claim of saying that I'm saved. All right. This is more than just a mere claim of saying that I'm a Christian. Amen. It's more than just a title. It's more than just a statement. Amen. It's more than just this. So what does it mean to belong to Christ? What does it mean to have your identity changed in Christ? Well, let's first turn to our, our base scripture for today. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, and um, it reads as follows. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Now, there's truly a lot to unpack here. This is a really a fully loaded scripture. It's, it's, it's fully loaded. There's, there's a lot to unpack here, but I believe that by the grace of God, we're going to get to it. Amen. Now, notice the beginning part of this scripture. It says anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Anyone who belongs to Christ belongs to Christ. Amen. Meaning that the conditional fact or clause of becoming a new person is belonging to Christ. To understand your identity, to really understand your identity, which helps you to understand your purpose, you must first belong to Christ. Hallelujah. And if you don't understand who you are, you'll never understand your purpose because you'll never understand your identity. So know that the true identity, true identity starts from belonging to Christ. You must first belong to Christ. Now, you don't belong to Christ because you go to church. <laughs> you don't belong to Christ because your mama or your daddy or your pappy or your Grammy was a minister. Okay. Amen. You don't belong to Christ. I'm going I'm to I'm tickle something right now. You don't belong to Christ because you even pray. You don't belong to Christ even because you think you're a good person. So, Caleb, you may be asking, what does it mean to really belong to Christ? What does this mean? What does it mean to belong to Christ? Well, let's turn to John 1, verse 12. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. 
a birth that comes from God. So the order of true identity, or shall I say becoming a new person, is that you must first belong to Christ. But in order to belong to Christ, you must first accept him and believe him as your Lord and as your Savior. Amen. You must be saved. You must receive salvation. You must be reborn. Why? Because identity is given at birth. It, it all starts here. It, it all starts here. The foundation of this Christian walk in Christ, the foundation of this walk is identity. And our identity is attached to Jesus Christ. I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. He says, for no one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So it starts with Jesus. So the starting point of you understanding your purpose is understanding your identity. And the starting point of you understanding your identity is understanding that you belong to Christ. You must belong to Christ. Hallelujah. You must believe and accept him as Lord and Savior over your life. Yeah. Amen. And I love how Jesus tells Nicodemus, I believe in, um, in John chapter 3, he says, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom. So you must be born again. There must be a new birth because, again, identity is given at birth. Yeah. Hallelujah. Again, natural identity comes at birth and identity in Christ also comes at birth. When we accept him as Lord and Savior. All right, this is what it means to belong to him. Amen. This is what it truly means to belong to him. And it is at that point when you accept him as Lord and Savior, when you accept and believe what he has done for you on a cross, that you become a new person. Amen. Now, again, just because somebody claims to be saved, because even then people will still claim to be saved. You know, I always like to say, if I go down the street and ask 10 people, are you, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Nine out of 10 people are probably going to say yes. But the reality of all those people being saved is, is, is low. Amen? So again, everybody that claims to be saved, everybody that claims to be a believer, everybody that claims to be a Christian ain't really it. Why do I know this? Why can I say this so boldly? Because 2 Timothy 3, verse 5 to 7, this is Paul talking to his spiritual son. He says that many in the last days will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And I love how the New Living Translation says it. It says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And it says stay away from people like that. Yes, so again, it's more than just a statement. It's more than just saying, I'm a Christian. Yeah. It's more than just, you know, going on TikTok and following the Christian TikTok things. Come on, come on. It's more than just having Bible quotes in your phone. It's more than just that. That's right. Amen? Amen. Now, how do you know the difference then? If many are claiming to be saved, if many are claiming to be a Christian, and if the fact of the matter is that many people who say this aren't really that, how do you really know the difference? Now, in today's time, you know, things of value, people like to try to make up the fake, you know. Uh, I, I know, Ken, you're a sneakerhead. I, work, I worked in shoe retail for a number of years, and I've seen my fair share of fake shoes or um, of, of fake $100 bills, you know. I, I've seen my fair share of fake things. But to know if something is real, to know if something is legit, there's always going to be a mark or a branding on it. <laughs> Amen. So naturally speaking, again, there's always going to be a mark, a logo, a branding or something on something to affirm that it is real. Yes. By the same token, if you truly belong to Christ, not just by saying I belong to Christ, I'm a Christian. If you truly belong to Christ, you have been marked. Yes, sir. Yeah, 
you have been marked. And again, anything of value will have a mark to distinguish it from everything else. We know that iPhones have the Apple and Adidas has the, the three stripes and Nike has a check mark. So what is that mark as a believer that makes you different from everybody else claiming to be this? Let's turn to Ephesians 1.13. And it says this, it says, and you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saved you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Amen. So to understand your identity, you must first truly belong to Christ, meaning that you have first believed and accepted him, what he has done for you. And as a result, you have been marked by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So let me help you to understand this new identity that, that you should have as a believer, this new identity that you have in Christ. All right, so again, when you were born again, you received a new identity. All right, let's lay it out. You, you received new identity. Whether you believe it, whether you feel like it, if you truly accept the Christ as Lord and Savior, you really have been changed. Your identity has been changed. And now you have the new, now that you have this new identity, you have been validated or you have been marked by his spirit. Amen. And even naturally, when a baby is born, to know that a baby actually belongs to a father, if you do a DNA test, it will affirm that this baby is actually the father's. And this is the same for the believer. When you truly belong to the father through Jesus Christ, there is something at the core of your being that will affirm that you are his child. Yeah. DNA. Amen. Romans 8.16 says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are his children, to affirm that we are God's children. Yeah. Amen. So in terms of a natural father, in terms of natural fathering his child, there will be a DNA, a DNA match to show that, yeah, that's his baby. Yeah. And by the same token, to truly belong to Christ, to truly, be, to, to truly be a child of God, there will be a DNA match, or in other words, you will have the Holy Spirit that has joined together with your spirit to affirm that you are his child. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, if a child is really the father's, if a child really belongs to the father, then over a course of time, when a child begins to grow and mature naturally, right, it will begin to take on certain characteristics of the father. It may begin to look like the father. It may begin to act like the father. There is character qualities that I have that I get from my father. There is character qualities that all of my siblings have that we get from our father. Am I telling the truth? So if you're really a child of God, if you really belong to the father, as you grow and mature in this walk as a believer, you will begin to look like him. You'll begin to look like Jesus. Now, I think it's funny how I think it's funny how when babies are freshly born out of the womb, you know, people are so quick to say, oh, this is, this, this is a cute baby. Uh, it, it looks just like the mom. It looks just like the daddy. <sighs> now, I love babies. <laughs> and I can't wait to have my own one day. But when that baby come out of the womb, <laughs> it don't look like much nut. <laughs> am, I, am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? <laughs> Amen. But 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 here's the thing though. It, it's the same way spiritually, right? It's the same way spiritually. 
When you first get saved, right, you may not yet fit the aesthetic of what a believer should look like. You may not yet fit the aesthetic of what a believer should sound like. But if you have the DNA to prove that you are his child, eventually, as you grow and as you mature, you will take on certain characteristics of the father. You will begin to look more like Jesus. Amen. So just because a baby don't yet look like the father doesn't mean that it, it doesn't nullify the fact that it's his child. It's still his child because he has the DNA to prove it. But over time, over course of maturing, over course of growing, you will begin to look like him. Amen. A baby doesn't look like the father or the mother the first day out of the womb. Amen. And even again, as a believer, even if you are, you know, uh, in those early stages of your walk, if you're in those early stages as a believer, don't be discouraged because, again, you have the DNA to prove it. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. But over a, over the process of time, like, see, this walk that we live as believers, it's not about perfection. We're not trying to live a perfect life. We're trying to live a life of progression. Yes, Amen. Babies progress to maturity. They don't they're, they're not perfect the first day in. They progress to maturity. And over the course of time, as they grow and as they mature and as they learn and as they do this and do that, they begin to come more mature. They begin to look more like the Father. Amen. Again, and I'm not saying that you're going to live the perfect life. As a believer, you're not going to live the perfect life. You're not. If you're trying to live this perfect life as a believer, just go ahead and squash that. Squash that. Let that go. I'm telling you. Let that go. You're not going to live the perfect life. All right, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you're never going to sin again because you will. Yes. <laughs> you will. You're going to mess up. But I am saying that as a believer, if your identity is truly in Christ, then the Holy Spirit, the DNA, the Holy Spirit, over the process of time, you'll begin to act more like Jesus. Over the process of time, you'll begin to fit the aesthetic of what a Christian should look like. Amen. There should there should no longer be a lifestyle of sin. There should no longer be a lifestyle of sin. There should be something in you that wants to do better, that wants to be better as a believer. There should be something in you that says, though this feels good, though this looks good, I'm not going to do it because I, it, it, it does something to me. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't feel right anymore. It doesn't give me that same satisfaction. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you see, identity is more than just a title. It's more than just a title. Identity affects the way that you act and behave. And, and, behave. Yeah. and eventually you should reach a point of maturity where the Holy Spirit's internal change becomes your external reality. That's good. Amen. And again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, it, it says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, again, you got to belong to Christ. For you to really understand your identity, you must belong to Christ. Amen. So when you belong to Christ, you have become a new person. All right. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So understand that if you are a believer, meaning that you truly belong to Christ and over a process of time and over a process of maturing, just like naturally, you'll begin to look more like Jesus. You begin to look more like your daddy. You begin to look more like your mama. You begin to look more like God. Amen. It takes time. It takes time. But understand, just because this is your reality, that doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to make you think otherwise. Right. He's still at work. Let me tell you something. As a believer, don't think that when you give your life to Christ, that life is just going to get so much better. Because I tell you the truth, when you first become a, just like a baby, a baby has to be very carefully taken care of because their immune system is kind of weak. 
their immune system is, is, is kind of weak. So as a believer, the enemy is on double time trying to take you out because he knows that, oh, they have, they have discovered truth. If they get any further than this, they will begin to dismantle the powers of my kingdom. Purpose. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. So again, how is it then if even even if this is your reality, even if your reality is I am saved, even if your reality is I am a believer, even if your reality is I have accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, how is it then that the enemy can still attack our identity? How is it? How is it? Now understand this. I want to go back to the scripture one more time real quick. Second Corinthians 5, 17. It says... This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. Look at that. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So for Paul to say this, this implies that there are two realities that a believer can identify with. You got the old life. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And you got the new life. (laughs) Hallelujah. The old life, which is gone. Which speaks that life you became, which speaks that life before you became a believer, that life of sin, that life of what you were, that life of just doing what the flesh desired, that life that was just wrong. Am I talking to somebody in here today? Now let's look at First Corinthians six, verse nine to eleven. Paul says it like this. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or or are abusive or cheap people. None of they none of them will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. 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 Amen? But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by what? The DNA being the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Amen? So again, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, the old life is gone. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. For Paul to say the old life is gone, the word is denotes a current state of being. The old life is gone. Paul is saying that the reality of belonging to Christ or truly being a believer means that your current experience or your current state of being is that the new life has begun. The old life is gone. It is gone. That's just what it is. It is gone. No matter how you feel, no matter what your struggles may be, the old life is gone. But the enemy has a way of making us identify with the, with, with the old life. He has a way of making us identify with things of the past. He has a way of making us identify with our struggles. Amen? But again, your reality is the new life. Your current experience right now as a believer is the new life. The old life is gone. If you're truly a child of God, your current reality is the new life. Amen. You no longer should identify as a sinner because you are a child of God. And you have the DNA to prove it. You have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth to affirm this. Amen. The old life is gone. Your new life has begun. Now understand that though this is your reality, the enemy will still come and, and try to question it. He will still come to try to make you believe otherwise. And let me tell you something. The most powerful weapon that the enemy will use against your identity is questions. 
the most dangerous weapon or the most powerful weapon that the enemy will try to use against your identity is questions. If you recall back to the book of Genesis, the first conversation that mankind had with, with, with Satan, the serpent, the first conversation that they had, Satan, uh, he, he, he hit Eve with a question. Did God really say? Now, what he was trying to do, he was trying to get to her identity because you remember, she, he said, if God, did God really say you mustn't eat of any of this? She responded with, no, we, we can eat of this. It's just of that true, of that tree. The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. We can't touch that one. And then what does what does Satan do? He he began to attack her identity. No, he don't want God. Satan told Eve, no, he doesn't want you to eat that because he knows that once you touch that, once you eat that, you will be like him, knowing both good and evil. So it was an attack of her identity, and it started with a question. Attack of her identity, and it started with a question. Though she was made in the image of God, though that was her current reality. He still hit her with a question to try to attack her identity. The enemy loves questioning who you are. He loves questioning your identity. In fact, let's turn to a familiar passage of scripture um, in Matthew's verse four, verses three to seven. Rather, Matthew's chapter four, verses three to seven, and then we'll be reading from the New King uh, New King James Version, and it reads as follows: It says, "Now when the tempter came to him, talking about Jesus, he said, if." You are the son of God. Command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him up on a pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, cast yourself down. For it says, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Amen. Now, again, the enemy ends up tempting Jesus three times here, but two out of two out of the three times, two out of the three times, he hit the he hit Jesus with a question. If you are a son of God, if you're really what you say you are, if you are God, the son. And this is the same tactic that he will use against us as believers. He'll continuously use this against you as believers your entire life. Yeah. I mean, he's going to continuously do this your entire life, no matter if you've been saved for five minutes or no matter if you've been saved for 50 years. He will always try to question your identity. Right. He'll say, if you are a believer, why are you still struggling with this drinking? He'll say, if you are a believer, why are you still watching that pornography? Come on. Come on. If you are a believer, why is this Christian walk so hard? Yeah. If you are a believer, he loves hitting us with lies. He loves hitting us with questions. But let me tell you something. It is only by embracing, it's only by embracing these questions. It's only by giving heed to these questions that it gives them power. When you begin to give heed to when, it, when the enemy starts to question, if you're a believer, if, if you're really this, then why is this happening? When you begin to embrace those questions, then you give, you give it power. But again, notice how Jesus... Notice how Jesus did it. When Satan came and hit him with questions, this is how we should as believers combat the enemy's questions against our identity. When Satan came against Jesus with these questions, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, Jesus didn't call on a legion of angels. He didn't call on a legion of, a legion of angels. He didn't call them fire from heaven. And, and it couldn't have been me because I would have sent Satan into early retirement. I'm, I'm just saying, early retirement. He didn't do that though. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. 
Meaning that what God has said in his word is truth. And it, can be, and it cannot be changed no matter how much the enemy questions you, no matter how you feel, no matter what your old friends or even your new friends may say about you, no matter what the lies that people are speaking about you, no matter what your old reputation may be. Why? Because it is written. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. It is written. The old life is gone. It is written. The new life has begun. It is written. Amen. We must use the word as our weapon. Yes. We must use the word as our weapon. Yes. Our, your weapon of choice must be God's word. Yes, right. Amen. Now, why is this? It's because a king is bound to his word. Yes. A king's word is just as powerful as the king, which means if God says something, he can't change it. So if he says you are a new person in him, he can't change it. If he says you are forgiven, he can't change it. If you are a child of God, you are a child of God. It is what it is. Amen. A king is bound to his word. So this means that as believers now, we should become acquainted with God's word. We should become acquainted with his word. You must begin to read his word. You must begin to bask in his word. Amen. Understand that it is by believing in Jesus and accepting him as Lord and Savior that your identity is changed. But it is by becoming acquainted with this word and seeing yourself through the lens of the word that this reality, this reality becomes real to you. Amen. We need the word. Let's look at first Peter one, verse 23. It reads as follows. It says, for you have been born again. Your identity has been changed. All right. You have been born again. Not by a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Yes. Amen. Yes. Now, many of you have the newest cars on the market, right? Some of y'all have the newest cars on the market, but you probably don't even understand the capacity in which it can function because you haven't read the manual. That's true. Many of you have the newest iPhone or the Android phone, but there is so much more and there's so much more it can do if only you would take the time to read the manual that they give you in the box. And as a believer, there are things that you can do. There are things that you have access to. There are truths and promises that God has spoken over you if you only take the time to read the manual. Now, I'll say it like this. If you choose not to read the manual, it doesn't nullify the fact that you're still his child. It doesn't nullify the fact. You can get to heaven and not read the Bible. You can get to heaven and not read the Bible because it is by believing in what Jesus has done for you that we get to heaven. But let me tell you something. If you're going to be here on this earth, you need to get into your manual. You need to know what you can do. You need to know what God has spoken over you. Amen. If you want to grow, if you want to mature and come into the full knowledge of who Christ is in you and who you are in Christ, you must begin to read the manual. Yeah. You must begin to read his word. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So your identity is important. Y'all understand this, right? Yeah. And, and again, I know that the, me- the, the title of today's message is unveiling purpose. But if you don't understand who you are, you'll never walk in the purpose. You, you'll never do it. So we, we must really understand your identity. You must really understand your identity. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, you have to be sure and know who you are in Christ before you can get to purpose. And understand that the functionality of purpose actually exists within this identity. 
Before Jesus died and was resurrected, he identified himself as the resurrection. When he raised Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection. And then he died and was resurrected. So he identified who he was before he actually completed his purpose. So to understand your purpose, you must first understand your identity. Identity is important. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Notice even how in the Old Testament, I, I can't remember exactly where it is, but even how Gideon, who ended up defeating the entire Midianite army, understands stuff. He was extremely timid. Before all that happened, he was extremely timid. But understand when the angel of the Lord approached him, the angel said, oh, mighty men of valor. What was the angel trying to do? He was trying to establish his identity. He was trying to establish his identity. Amen. Because if you can be established in identity, you can be established in purpose. Amen. Amen. But we had to get into God's word. It is by us getting getting in his word that we begin to see this reality of our new identity in him. Amen. It is by giving in his word that we understand who we are in Christ Jesus. It is by getting into his word that we understand that we are saved. It is by getting into his word that even if we struggle with sin, we are still his child. His love isn't tainted in any way towards us. Amen. It is by getting into his word. It is by getting into his manual. Amen. The foundation of purpose is identity. And by your staying in his word, we become rooted in our identity. In him. And this means that there needs to be a constant continuation of consuming the word of God. There needs to be a constant continuation of consuming the word of God. If you plan on being on this life, if you don't plan on going to heaven anytime soon, amen, if you don't plan on leaving this earth anytime soon, you need to get into the word. You need to know what you can do. You need to know what God has spoken over you. Amen. Again, the foundation of purpose is identity. And it is by us staying in his word that we begin to understand the identity. Amen. Now, as we begin to talk about purpose... As we begin to talk about purpose, I understand that I'm trying to really lay this foundation out for you. I'm, do, I'm being very intentional about this, understanding your identity. Amen. I'm trying to lay this, uh, this foundation out for you because there are things you must under, th- these are things that must be understood before purpose is unveiled. All right. And to that point, I have already given you some points to understand your purpose by understanding your identity. Amen. Amen. There are there are four foundational points that we have to understand that we have to realize before we can even step into purpose. Number one, of course, is being um, understanding your identity and belonging to him. That's number one. We talked about that. You must first belong to Christ. You, you must first belong to Christ. Amen. Number two, being rooted in his word, which allows you to further understand your identity in a course of eight relationships. Getting into his word and letting his word get into you, it cultivates relationship. It cultivates, it cultivates a hunger for him. Amen? So again, number one, becoming, uh, becoming uh, uh, understanding who you belong to. Number two is being rooted in his word. Number three is prayer. Number three is prayer. Prayer that God will continue to reveal himself to you. Prayer that God will continue to give you direction regarding your life. Prayer that God will begin to and continue to unveil purpose in your life. Prayer. Now let's stop right here for a second. Let's talk about prayer for a second. For one, you got to understand that God reveals purpose to us in pieces. All right, God always reveals purpose to us in pieces. And when we are obedient to what he gives us, he reveals more. It's like a big puzzle piece, like the jigsaw puzzle. Y'all know the little puzzle we used to do in school and stuff like that? The way that purpose works, God will give you a few pieces. If you try to put those pieces together, he'll give you more. 
and the more you're obedient to him, he'll give you more. And eventually the picture of your life, the picture of purpose will become clear to you. Amen. But again, you gotta, we have to begin to pray. Pray that God will lead us. Pray that God will guide us. Pray your continuous prayer. Pray without ceasing. And understand that when you pray, always give God time to speak back. Always give God time to speak back for God is in direction. See, prayer isn't a monologue. People get it twisted. Prayer isn't a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. It's a conversation. Meaning that when you talk to God, you have to let him talk to you. But what many people do, they'll get into their, their place of prayer. They'll go into their prayer closet or that place that they have uh, set aside for prayer. They'll pray, Lord, this, da 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 and they'll walk away. Now imagine if I'm having a conversation with you, a back and forth conversation, and I talk to you, and I just walk away. It'd be kind of rude, wouldn't it? You didn't give me a chance to respond. But this is how we do God in many, time, in many cases. We, we, we pray to God, God, help me, Lord God, give me the rest. I'm talking about fiery prayers, too. Fiery prayers. And then when we're done, we, we, we get up and walk away. You got to give God you got to give God time to speak back. You got to give God time to speak back because God wants to talk to you. But understand that this requires stillness. When you begin to listen and allow him to speak to you, you must understand stillness. And I'm not just talking about external stillness. I'm not just talking about the externally turning the TV off whatever. Those you should do those things, but stillness is talking about internally. The Bible says be still and know that I am God. But understand something. External stillness is called quietness. But internal quietness is called stillness. Amen? You must learn not to only turn on the noise of external things, but you must learn to turn on the noise of your soul. Amen? Because the thing is, God, he, he's, not gonna comb- he's not going to compete with other voices. He's not going to do that. He doesn't do that. He's not going to do that. He, he, he speaks. His, his voice is attracted to stillness. If you remember when Elijah was in the cave, right? In the, the, there, was, there was fire. There was, there was fire. There was wind. And there was a mighty earthquake. Yes, sir. But his voice was found in stillness. Yes. So you must understand. You must begin to cultivate stillness in your soul. Eternal stillness. Eternal stillness. You must begin to quiet your thoughts. You must begin to quiet your mind. Don't be thinking about what you're about to eat after this prayer time. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody? Don't, don't be thinking about that. Give that time to God. That, value that time. Understand that that time is valuable because he wants to speak. You're his child. If you are his child, a father wants to speak to his child. A father wants to commune with his child. So if you are his child, he wants to speak to you, which means you have to give him the time and the attention. Amen. But you must cultivate stillness. You, you have to cultivate stillness. You must turn down your soul. If you need to turn on some worship music, whatever you need to do to cultivate the internal stillness, do so. Do so. But give him time to speak. Don't never go in and pray without giving him time to speak. Give him time to speak back. Amen. And then number four, the fourth point, the foundational point for purpose is love. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3, he says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but I didn't love others. I have, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. 
So understand something. If you can't walk in love, you won't walk in purpose. If you can't walk in love, you'll never walk in purpose because it'll be about you. It'll be about you. So you must learn to understand love. You must learn to cultivate love if you wish to walk in purpose. Amen? I remember on one account, the Pharisees tried to trip up Jesus by asking him, what's the greatest command? They were trying to trip him up, but Jesus had a way of getting, getting under their skins. Amen. But, but they were trying to trip him up. But if you look here in Luke 10, 27, uh, it says, the men answer, talking about Jesus, it says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if there's no love, this Christian walk will be so difficult because it's the walk of love. Everything that Christ has done for us, everything that God has done for us is because of love. So if you can't walk in love, how do you expect to walk in purpose? It was love that kept them into the cross. His purpose, it was love that kept them to the cross. Amen. So you must learn to walk in love. So again, let's go over these four foundational points again with understanding your purpose. Number one is, of course, being aware of your identity in Christ. Number two, being rooted in God's word. Number three, prayer. And number four, love. Amen. These are the four foundational points before we can get the purpose, before understanding purpose. Amen. Now, as we talk about individual purpose, it can sometimes be frustrating as believers because it's in our human nature to want to be in and know about things about us. If somebody's talking about it, what, what y'all talking about? If you hear your name, if you walk in, you know, in the office or you walk in at your, your workplace, if you hear your name, you, you go into the, it don't care. It doesn't matter if you're going to be late for work. It doesn't matter if you're about to go to lunch. If you hear somebody talking about you, you're going you're gonna to go to it. Amen. It's our human nature. It's our human nature to want to be in and know about, about things regarding us. So with that being said, it can be frustrating because we want to know everything that God has for us. We want to know. We want to see the whole picture, all of it. I'm talking about when you get saved, Lord, what's your plan for my life? Da, 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 all this. We want to know. But again, you got you to gotta understand that God, he releases purpose to us in pieces. And the more we give ourselves to him, the more we are grounded in those foundational points and the more we live a life of obedience to him, the more pieces he'll give to us. Now, I believe that as a believer, there are two ways that the Lord begins to unveil purpose to us. There are two ways that the Lord began to reveal purpose to us. Amen. Number one can be a divine encounter. Speaking of a supernatural way in which God has visited you in some form of encounter, maybe a dream or a vision or, 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 or an angel or something of this nature. And we can see this all throughout scripture. We can see Moses in the burning bush. We can see Joseph in a dream that he had with, with his brothers and his parents bowed down to him, affirming that he was going to be king. We can even see this with Paul on his road to Damascus when, God, when Jesus had encountered him in a bright light. So God can't encounter you like that. But there's another way that God can also encounter us, and I like to call it the internal impression. And this is something that you just feel within yourself. You don't really understand it, but as a believer, you begin to, I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to do this. I don't know why, but I feel I need to write a book. I, I love to say it, and I feel like I need to write some songs. I don't really understand why, but I feel like I need to start a podcast. I don't, I don't understand this, but I, I just have a feeling. I have a gut feeling. Many times, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, well how, how do I know if this is really me or if, it, or if it's from God? How can I really distinguish this? Well, it's simple, actually. 
if it is really, I, I, this is what you need to do. If you have this gut feeling, if you feel like God is asking you to do this, if you feel like God is, is causing you to do this regarding purpose, if you toss it away and it don't come back, it's probably not from God. But if it is from God, purpose is shaped like a boomerang. When you toss that thing away, it's going to do a full one day to hit you right back in the head. That's why people, many times, uh, there, there's a lot of older believers. I've just been feeling like this for the last 10 years. I know I should have been doing this 15 years ago. Why? Because that's purpose. That's purpose. You can't escape it. It will frustrate you until you fulfill it. It'll frustrate you. Just ask Jonah. Ask Jonah when you get to heaven. God said, go to the end of it. Jonah said, but God had a way of getting, getting that thing right back full circle to Jonah until he ended up into the belly of a well. Jonah had to surrender to it. So if it's really from God, if you have this, I don't know, I just feel like I need to do this. I just feel like, uh, Lord, I, I feel like it's time for me to start ministry. Lord God, I, I feel like you're causing me to start a business. I feel like you're causing me to do this. I, I feel this. So I don't know why I feel this. I don't even know what this feeling is, but I feel this. Toss it away, and if it comes back, it's from God. Yes. If it don't come back, eh, it's probably not from God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, man, you, you won't be able to escape it. You won't be able to, to get away from it. It can be almost frustrating. Yeah. Ah, I know I need to be doing Purpose can be frustrating if you're not walking in it. Yeah. If God has revealed it to you, you're not walking in it, it can be frustrating. It can be frustrating. Amen. Let's talk a little bit more about this internal impression. Let's look here at Acts 18. We're going to do a little bit of reading here, but let's look here at Acts 18 verses 24 to 27. And it reads as follows. It says, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others well. Rather, he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he only knew about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they told him, they, rather they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia. And the brothers, rather in the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be a great benefit to those, um, to those there by God's grace who have believed. Now, I want you to notice something. Y'all know who Apollos is. It, it talks about him in Corinthians a little bit. This is the same Apollos here. The same Apollos didn't have a supernatural encounter. The same Apollos didn't have a, a divine encounter like Paul did. But he just had a feeling. He said, I, I just think I need to go here. I, I feel like I need to go here. I, I, I think I need to go here. He was very good and he was very rooted in the scriptures and he taught with accuracy. And it says that he thought or he had a thinking or had a had an irking to go to Achaia. Amen. He had a feeling. He had an internal impression. Amen. An eternal impression. And it says that notice how it says when he got there, he proved to be a great benefit. Amen. Apollos had an internal knowing that he needed to go to this place. So by faith he went. By faith he went. So sometimes there will be an inner knowing of what you have to do. There will be an inner knowing of how God is trying to pull you a certain way, to try to pull you into purpose. There will be an inner knowing. But understand that this requires trust in God, and it requires you to walk in faith. 
It requires you to walk in faith. Sometimes God will not reveal the fullness or the totality of something until you actually get to it. Why? Because that's what faith is. He wants you to believe him before you can even see it. Amen? Again, it takes trust and it takes faith. But please understand that we're all called. The fact that the marriage is we're all called. Whether you've had a divine encounter or whether you have an internal knowing, there is purpose that resides in every one of us. We've all been called. We've all been called. God is calling every single person in this place. As believers, he's calling all of us. He's calling all of us. Amen? But please understand something. You have to walk by faith. You have to live this life by faith. You have to be rooted in your identity. You must be rooted in his word. You must begin to pray. You must be loving. Amen. And I want to I want to give you a, a little illustration to help you further understand this. Um, Reverend Richardson, I gave you a note. If you could read that, don't follow the instructions on it. And let me see what I can use as an example. No, no, no. Follow the instructions. Follow the instructions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Man, it's Could you come here for a second and stand behind me? I just texted you something, Ken. I want you to understand this. I'm trying to show you something here, amen? I'm trying, I'm trying to show you something here. Now, what did the note say? Come stand to my right. What did the text say? Come stand to my left. What did I tell you? Come stand behind you. Now notice something, the call was different. Everybody's call was different. He got a note. He got a text message. He heard my voice, but they all came to me. They all came to me. But so often, thank you, y'all good. So oftentimes we get so caught up on somebody else's call that we miss that God is actually calling us. God is calling you, but we get so focused on what they're doing for them, what God is doing for this person. He got a text message. He got a note, but God is calling you. God is calling you. God is calling you. Amen. He's calling all of us, but we get so focused on what they're doing. We get so focused on what this person is doing. Oh, look at them. They preach. Oh, they just, they, 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 they. We get so focused on all these other things that we miss the call that God has called you to. Don't miss your call. Don't miss your call. God is calling you. God is calling you. Amen. I love how Galatians 6 verses 4 through 5 says, it says, pay careful attention to your own work. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Amen? So don't get so caught up on somebody else's call. Don't get so caught up on somebody else's, what they're doing in Christ. Don't get so caught up on what they're doing. Don't, Don't do that. God is calling you. God is calling you. Amen. Don't miss the call. Don't miss the call. Let's look here at Hebrews. Now we're getting, we're, we're coming to a close, but let's look here at Hebrews 9, uh, 27 to 28. And we'll be reading from the NLT. It says, and just as each person is destined to die once after that comes a judgment. So also Christ has offered once and for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting on him. So I want to hit you with the reality. This is, this is the reality. I hope you understand this. There will come a day 
that every single person inside this building will stand for God. We're all going to stand before God. We're all going to stand before God. Understand this, we're all going to stand before him. Amen? But I want you to understand something. If you're a believer, there will be no judgment for sin. If you're a believer, if, if you're truly in Christ, you won't be just according to sin. Christ was just according to sin. He was just for your sin. So what is it that you'll be judged by when you stand before him? Did you do what, did you, do what you were called to do? Did you do what I asked of you to do? Did you win those souls? Did you start that business? Did you write that book? Did you write that song? Did you start that ministry? I'm calling you. I called you again and again and again, but you were so focused on what they were doing that you missed my call. I called you. We're all going to stand before him. We're all going to stand before him. This is a reality. This is a promise. We're all going to stand before him. Amen. And again, as a believer, you won't be judged for sin, but you'll be judged. Did you do what you were supposed to do? Did you do what you were supposed to do? There is a work for each and every single person inside this building. God has, has, has placed something in you, each and every single person inside this building. And let me tell you the thing about purpose. When you begin to understand your purpose, everything about you will begin to make sense down to your personality. Everything about you will make sense. When you understand, oh, God, you're calling me to do this. Oh, that's why I'm like this. Because purpose is compatible with with who you are. Your purpose is compatible with you. It's compatible with you. Amen? It'll begin to make more sense. And this is why the enemy is so full, so so against people not walking into purpose. That's why he's trying to taint people's identity because he understands, oh, if they walk in purpose, this is going to allow God's kingdom influence to flow through us to dismantle the powers of darkness, to dismantle the kingdom of darkness. Amen? But God is calling us, people. Says of God, God is calling us. Do not miss the call. Do not miss the call. Again, we're all going to stand before him. And again, again, I, I, I want to say this again. I really want to make this, 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 this clear to you when you stand before him, because I, I think so many people, they think that uh, because I'm struggling with this sin right here, because I'm struggling in this area, they feel as if that disqualifies, disqualifies them from purpose. No, 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 no. When you stand before God, he's not going to judge you based off your struggles of sin. He's not going to judge you based off that. Did you do what I called you to do? Lord, I was, Lord, I was struggling with this. Did you do what I called you to do? Lord, I was, no, did you do what I called you to do? You must, you must answer the call. God is going, he's not going to force you. The thing is, he won't force you. I love how the, the Bible, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, always uses words like lead or guide. It never uses words like force or drag. Which means there's a participation that you got to give yourself to. You have to participate with him. We are co-workers with him. You must yield to him. Amen. He won't force you. And there's many in here that that know that I need to do this. There's many here know what the next step is for them. But maybe it's fear that's keeping you back. Maybe it's your struggle in a certain area that you think, oh, I I can't get there because I'm still struggling here. No, 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 no. If God has revealed it to you, it is your responsibility to walk in it. That's right. That's right. It is your responsibility to walk in it because when you stand before him, there's, no, there's not going to be no, oh, Lord, I was struggling or Lord God, I didn't have the resources. No, go and do it. Go and do it. Walk in faith. Apollos had no idea how much of a benefit he would have been, but he just had an irking. He said, I, I feel like I need to go. Go and do it. Write that book. Write that song. Start that ministry. Do it. Amen. Amen. 
Hallelujah. And it is my heart's desire, truly it is my heart's desire, that when we stand before him as a child of God, I pray that each and every one of us will hear, well done thy good and faithful servant. Enter in into the joy of the Lord. It's my heart's desire that we enter into the eternal rest. After completing the work that we have to do here, because there is work for us, there is work. There is work. When you're establishing your identity now, there's work. It's, it's just, again, going back to it nationally, when you're, when you're a child, you don't work as a child, but when you grow, when you reach the age of 18, you better start working. I'm going to make you get a job. They ain't going to make you get a job. Legally, you're allowed to get a job, but as a child, you're not quite there. But again, it's the same thing even spiritually. As believers, as you grow mature, you will, reach to, you will get to a point where God is calling you to purpose. And I believe many of us in this place have reached that point. God is calling us to do more. God is calling us to do more. We must answer the call. Amen. And again, I pray that when we stand before him, uh, we hear, well done, our good and faithful servant. I desire to hear those words. It's my heart's desire to hear those words. It's my heart's desire to hear those words. Well done. Well done. You did good. I tried on it. You did good. Hallelujah. May we all enter the internal rest. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I have yielded myself to you this morning. I have yielded my voice to you, Lord God. I have yielded my members to you, Lord God, to the best of my ability. Lord God, I pray that this word has not fell on any deaf ears, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that this is the word that has fell on fertile ground, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. I pray that every single person, Lord God, that has heard this word understands that which, which you have tried to speak to them. I pray that they have heard your voice, Lord God, not mine, but your voice. I'm just, a, I'm just a vessel, Lord God, but I pray that they have heard your voice, Lord God, and I pray that you begin to cultivate a hunger, a drive in them, Lord God, for the God to want to walk into purpose, Lord God, to be rooted in identity, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, may your people know you, Lord God, and may you know your people, Lord God. Father God, cultivate a deeper hunger, Lord God, a deeper reverence for you, Lord God. Father God, bring us into the deeper things, Lord God. Father God, help us to see, Father God, the severity, Father God, of the times, Lord God. Father God, help us to walk in purpose, Lord God. We thank you for your spirit, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus that continues to guide us and lead us, Lord God. We thank you for the DNA of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord God. And I give you the praise and the glory and the honor, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.